So today is uh, lesson uh, or sermon number three in responding to God. And um, I'm going to tell you a couple stories here to begin with. Uh, the first one is a true story, believe it or not. It is a true story. Chippy the parakeet never saw it coming. One second, Chippy the parakeet was pe- peacefully perched in his cage. The next, he was sucked in, washed up, and blown over. The problems began when Chippy's owner decided to clean Chippy's cage with a vacuum cleaner. So she removed the attachment from the end of the hose and she stuck it into the cage. The phone rang and she turned to pick up the phone with the vacuum hose in the cage. She'd barely said hello when that bird got sucked right up into the vacuum cleaner. The bird owner gasped, put the phone down, turned off the vacuum, opened the bag, and there was Chippy still alive, but stunned. Now, what would a loving bird owner do? Since the bird was covered with dust and soot, she grabbed him, raced him to the bathroom, turned on the faucet, and held Chippy under the running water. Then, realizing that Chippy was soaked and shivering, she did, again, what any compassionate bird owner would do. She reached for the hairdryer and blasted full heat and dried off Chippy. So there was Chippy, sucked in, washed up, and blown over. Poor Chippy never knew what hit him. A few days after the trauma, the reporter, who had initially written about the event, contacted Chippy's owner to see how the bird was recovering, and she said, well... Chippy doesn't sing much anymore, just sits and stares. And the truth is, is that sometimes it feels like life will suck you up and wash you over and blow you out, and it'll steal the song from your heart, because life has a whole lot of trouble. We don't like trouble. We're going to talk about it today. We're going to talk about some of the causes of trouble and some of uh, the the, uh, resolutions or the provisions that God has made to help us with our trouble. Let me tell you another story, though. Uh, I don't know if this one's true, but it sure is funny. Uh, This story was about a photographer, a national magazine, and the photographer was assigned to get photos of a forest fire. So he contacted a, a local agency in order to rent the plane and go up and take the pictures. He arrives on the scene, gets, rushes out, the plane is already idling there, and the pilot's there, and he rushes up to it, and he says, come on, let's go, up, 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 we need to get going, and so they get up, they, they taxi it, they pull up, and they're in the air, and he circles around, he says, now get down close over there by that fire, and he's like, so I can get some f- pictures, he says, well, why are you getting pictures, he said, well, because I'm a photographer, that's what photographers do, we take photos of what we're here to take photos of. And the pilot stopped him and he said, you mean you're not the instructor? And so sometimes, sometimes we find ourselves like Chippy and we find ourselves in trouble that is nothing to do of our own making, right? Uh, Sucked in and blown over and washed up. And sometimes we find ourselves in trouble that probably the, uh, The pilot there who was a student and the photographer, they both owned a little bit of that, right? He might have slowed down a little bit and just made sure you are the pilot, correct, Uh, before they went up. But someone has said this, if you could kick the person in the rear end who is most responsible for all of your troubles, you would not be able to sit down for two weeks. Because the person most responsible for the trouble in your life is you. And so I want to talk to you today about <clears throat> responding to God's voice 
the trouble that we will have in this life and what God has done in order to make provision for our own trouble. Lord Jesus, I pray and I ask you to help us to know what you have said to us, what you are saying to us, and how you can deliver us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, <clears throat> let's start with a couple of scriptures. They're there at the top of your sermon notes, and they'll be upon the screen as well. And these are beautiful scriptures that help us to understand that God wants to call you and I out of our trouble, out of the darkness, out of the mess that we've made, that others have made, that this world is in, and he wants to call us into a good new life, into a wonderful, marvelous light. So the first one is 1 Peter 2, 9. That says this, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful or marvelous light. Okay, so God has called you and me out of darkness into his wonderful light. I remember when my sister and I, we would go wandering in the woods. We had this little place in the woods behind our house that we called the maze. And it was just all of these bushes, one right after the next, after the next, probably for a couple of acres. And uh, they, were, they were out in the wild, and my sister would get lost. She had no sense of direction then, and she has no sense of direction now. And um, <clears throat> I've actually been called by one sister. She's She was lost in Washington, D.C., and she said, help me, I don't know where I am. And I said, I don't either, I'm in Texas. And so sometimes she she would get lost, my other sister got lost, so we were in this maze, and I said to my one sister, I said, follow my voice, and I will get you out. And I kept talking, and as she followed my voice, she got out of her lost state, and she was found again. And so God calls us out of our lostness, out of darkness, and into his light. Second verse there, beautiful reminder from Colossians 1.13. For God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves. Now this is a beautiful verse, and it is true, but it is not true of every person. This is only true of those who have said, Yes, Lord, get me out of the mess I'm in. Yes, Lord, I'll be your disciple. I'll be your follower. He has made every provision. He has paid the price. He has made the way. But if you still remain in the jail cell, if you still stay in the maze, if you still stay in the darkness, then you haven't yet been rescued. But he says, follow my voice. Come to me. I'll bring you out of darkness, out of the trouble, and I'll bring you into the marvelous light. And then Hosea 14.2, this is kind of a, a, a glimpse of how we can respond to God when he says to us, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Hosea 14.2 says, Take words with you and return to the Lord and say to him, Forgive all our sin and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips, the thanks and the praise and the allegiance. Bring words with you and say to God, Forgive me. So we don't just show up and kind of wander around in God's throne room and kind of pick at the fruit on the table and kind of do this. Bring words with you. Say, God, you're my God. Forgive me. Cleanse me. I'll be yours. So this is just kind of the precursor of the rest of the sermon that that we need to come back to God in order for him to get us out of the trouble we're in. He's beckoning us and we need to respond to him. So point number one Jesus said to us, in this world you will have trouble. This is John uh, 16, But take heart, I have overcome the world. Take heart, I've overcome the world. So there's three places 
that your trouble in your life comes from. The first one is that there's evil and we live in a fallen world. There's evil and we live in a fallen world. I remember I was also, this kind of has to do with point number two. There was a time in my life I was getting a little bit uh, bitter. Right? You've heard that expression, you, gotta get, you can get bitter or better. And God was working on my heart, but I was dealing with some cynicism and, 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 and I was thinking kind of ill towards other people. And I said, you know what? Almost every problem in my life has not to do with me, but to people around me. They're the ones. They're making all the messes in my life. And so there is some truth to the fact that sometimes the messes you find yourself in, they're not your own doing. Sometimes it's the people you work with. It's the choices of the people that you live with or live next to. Sometimes it's the choices of people you don't even know. The one who drove drunk and hit a loved one of yours. Sometimes the trouble is because of evil in the world. Sometimes the trouble is because of the fallen nature of the world. Sometimes the trouble is because of the people around you. But then sometimes trouble comes because of our own choices. Now here's the really good news. If the trouble in this world comes because of evil or because of uh, the, the, the fallenness of the world around us, Ephesians 4.20 says that to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, if it's the trouble in your life is because of the fallenness of the world around us, we have an answer for that in Jesus Christ. The power of Christ at work within us. I've thought about it before, and I thought, you know, what if every single person I knew was always loving, was always kind, and was always patient, and was always like Jesus in all things, every single person that I knew? Wouldn't that be awesome? And yet, you realize that we would still get sick, because we still live in a fallen world, right? There would would still be times that you're fatigued. There, There would still be times... That, that there would be difficult things that would happen in life. But God says, because of my power at work within you, then even if there's trouble around you, I can help you. I can help you overcome. But then if it's because of people's choices around you, I love the fact that Galatians 5, and 23 tells us what God will put in us to help us to respond to those people around us. I've got a book. It's on my shelf. I still want to read it. Um, but I bought it for the title more than anything, and it just says, How to Deal with Annoying People. <clears throat> I've never read it, but the title captivated me, and it's on my shelf. But here's how we respond to other people and their choices is Galatians 5, through 23, that says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So if you're saying the trouble in my life has everything to do with that person, they've got a name, then God says, I give you my spirit and the fruit of my spirit to help you. But if the trouble in your life has to do with your own choices, which oftentimes it does, then God says, I have a solution for that as well. If the trouble has to do with the world around you, He says, I'll give my power to be at work in you. If the trouble has to do with the other people, he says, I'll give my spirit to be at work in you. If the trouble has to do with your own choices, sinful, selfish choices, then he says, here's what you need to do. I have a solution. So that brings me then to the next point here in the message, and that is, thus saith the Lord. That's what the prophets in the Old Testament would say, right? Thus saith the Lord, sin will destroy you. 
the consequences are devastating. I will save you completely if you come to me. Have you ever wanted to just grab a hold of somebody and take them and say, just be nice? You ever do that to your kids or have your kids do that to someone else, right? Just be nice. I remember a story that was told by a family member of mine and they said that in the back seat were three children. They were on the way to school. In the back seat, the three children were fighting one with another they were hitting each other. They were pitching, pinching each other. They were picking on each other. And the parent, while they were driving, grabbed whatever was nearest and started hitting them like this and saying, I told you to stop hitting each other. Don't you sometimes just want to tell people, can't you be nice? Can't you just treat other people in a way that is respectful? Sometimes they want to do that with us too, right? Sometimes they want to say, why can't you just be nice? And you know where that comes from? It comes from the fact that we have sin in our lives. And sin is not nice, it's ugly. And it really does hurt people. And so Isaiah 59.2 says this, Your iniquities, your sins, have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden His face so He doesn't hear. You can't see Him, and, and, and He's not even listening to you, asking Him to, to bless you because you've got sin in your life. You ever wondered why God doesn't answer your prayer? Scripture only gives us really one reason why, and that's because of sin. If you say, God, please bless me. Please bless my family. Make everything in my life to turn out beautifully and well. And he says, I will help you with that, but we've got to deal with this sin. Well, I don't want to deal with that sin. He says, well, I can't bless disobedience. I'm not going to bless disobedience. We've got to deal with this sin. Sin separates us from God. But sin also brings consequences and punishment upon us. Right? So James chapter 1 says, Each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. And then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. And so I'm reminded of a story that, that I've, I've shared with a few of you before, but my professor at college said that if you can imagine a banquet hall as far as the eye can see, and in the middle of that banquet hall is the Thanksgiving feast that you can only imagine. Kroger does a pretty good job sometimes with the commercials at Thanksgiving time where that table is just forever long, and you've got the turkey, and you've got the stuffing, and you've got the rolls, and all of the stuff, and it's just like as far as you can see. And then around the edge of the, the, the banquet hall, kind of on the floor, are these little black plastic things about like that. And they are rat poison. And <clears throat> the one who's throwing the banquet, God, says, have anything on the table. It's all yours. It will nourish you. It will bless you. It will provide for you health and vitality. And eat it and enjoy the, the love that I have for you and the way I provided for you. Don't mess with the rat poison. The rat poison's there to make sure that it takes care of the rats. Kills them. And you say, but I really wanted that rat poison. I really wanted it. It looks good. No, it doesn't look good. But for some reason, Satan has lied to us and we've been tempted and we have been, uh, we, by lust, we've been enticed away. And for some reason, instead of eating the smorgasbord of food that God has prepared for us in his word and in love and in faithfulness and kindness, then we say, I want that. I know it's going to kill me, but I want it. And then we try to blame God for being mean when he punishes us for sin. And he's not 
He's not up there trying to wreak vindictiveness and wrath and rage on us. He's saying it's hurting you. And it's separating you from the blessings and the health and the vitality I have for you. And so Revelations 21 has a, has a powerful verse for us that I want you to hear. A couple of verses. In Revelations 21, it says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. I love that verse. It's one of my favorite verses. And it's repeated in different ways throughout the Bible. He'll be their God and you'll be his people, right? And he'll bring you together in unity, and he'll live with you, and he'll live in you, and he's for you. We love that. Verse 4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death will be no more. Neither shall there be any mourning or crying or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That is awesome. That's that banqueting hall with the table as far as you can see, and eternal life with Jesus, and mansions in glory, and being restored and reconciled to those who have gone before. It's beautiful. But that's not where the verses end. In verse 5 it says, And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said, It is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage or this inheritance, this blessing. I will be his God and he will be my son. Verse 8. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Now we've got verse after verse of God saying, I'll be your God. I'll save you. I'll provide for you. I'll give you a heritage. I will give you an inheritance. I will give you a blessing. Just avoid the rat poison, and come to the table for what I've provided for you. And so we've got to hear what God says to us there. We've got to understand that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The wages of rat poison is death, but the gift of God at the banqueting table is eternal life for all who will receive it. So that brings us to point number three. This is how you and I have to respond to God. Point, there's three points to this. The first is that you have to quit your sinful practices. You've got to quit your sinful practices. <clears throat> it's interesting because you ask somebody, if I could help you to overcome this situation in your life, and I can promise you that you would overcome, you would prevail, would you do it? And they say, well, what's it going to cost me? It's always a question of cost, right? And so for me, when I weighed about 30 pounds more than I weigh now, it was a question of was I willing to pay the price of eating less, of exercising more, of trying to take better care of my body? Because we all know that to take better care of our body, it means that we, we eat less junk food and we exercise more and we drink more water and less pop. Are you willing to pay the price? The same thing with sin. We all know that if we continue sinning, it is going to hurt us. It's going to separate us from God. It's going to have consequences that hurt the people around us. Are we going to stop? And so Jesus says to us, the Bible says to us, quit your sinful practices. Genesis 4-7 says, 
If you do well or do righteous things, do good things, will not your face be lifted up? And if you do not do well, though, sin is crouching at your door, its desire is for you, but you must master it. If you've got something in your life that you know is hurting you and hurting other people, that God has put his finger on it and he said, this is sin, you've got to stop those sinful things. You and I have to forsake and even dread our vices and the things that are hurting other people people. We've got to flee immorality. We've got to flee impurity. We've got to flee uh, the, the, the backbiting and the gossip and the meddling. Think about it. If Christians on Facebook would refuse to belittle and tear down and all they would do is build up and speak truth, what a different place Facebook would be. Sin would still be there, but if Christians would refuse to practice sinning in Facebook, What about if Christians would refuse to talk about someone behind their back? It doesn't just happen in junior high. It happens in churches. It happens in families. We gossip and we backbite. And that hurts people. And God says to stop. Matter of fact, if you remember, Jesus came to a man who was beautiful. He healed him. He had been paralyzed for years and years and years. Jesus healed him. And the man went on his way. The next day, Jesus found the man after he'd already healed him. And he said, now stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. God had mercy on him. He gave him a gift he wasn't worthy of and he wasn't deserving of. But he said, now stop sinning or something worse may happen. It's just like what Jesus offers you and me. He says, you're not deserving of heaven, but I'll give it to you. You're not deserving of my Holy Spirit, but I'll give it to you. You are not worthy of my grace, but I'm going to give it to you. And we say, thank you. Thank you, you've healed me. And he says, now stop sinning. Because if you keep sinning, something is going to happen. And we went a couple of weeks ago and we went to uh, Soaring Wings Banquet. They were talking about uh, some of the kids that were there and the parents that, that had to help have their kids to stay there for a little while while the parents got the help they needed. But one of the stories that was told was about a man who came to grips with the reality that He realized he was an addict. He realized that his sin was hurting him and his kids. And he had to check his kids in so that he could go get rid of the sin and the addiction and the things in his life. And then when they came back together, they could be restored. So this first part of this, quit your sinful practices. Sin will destroy you. The second part of this is that you and I have to wholeheartedly pursue the Lord wholeheartedly first chronicles 22 19 says seek the Lord your God wholeheartedly with your entire being then second chronicles 16 9 says the eyes of the Lord move around to and fro the earth so that he can find those whose hearts are completely his he's looking to say to see who's completely wholeheartedly committed and I've coached a few teams, and you can tell the ones that are wholeheartedly committed to the team. You can tell the ones that want to be there, and they weren't forced to be there. The ones that are really trying their hardest, and they're going to throw themselves after the ball, and they're going to run that extra distance, and they're going to do extra practices, and you can see the ones that are like, are we done yet? Can't we just be done with this already? And you, as a coach, want to fill your team with the ones that are wholeheartedly, and the ones that are like, my mom's making me do this, but this is so stupid. You're like, we can't win with that. 
You're not going to overcome your enemy with that kind of an attitude. But wholeheartedly seek the Lord. Wholeheartedly run after God. So one of the ways that we wholeheartedly run after God is that we read the Bible. It's said that the average American has between 7 and 11 Bibles in their home. They also say that the average American reads their Bible once a week at church when the pastor reads it with them. Now I'm glad we get to read the Bible together. It's awesome here. But when are you reading it at home? Are you listening to it? Are you meditating on it? Are you memorizing it? Read the Bible. Pray. John talked to us about that this morning. Pray. Talk to God while you're driving down the road, but also listen to God. Find your way into the prayer room here. Come to the altar and pray. Lift up your hands. Close your eyes and pray. Lay on the ground and pray, but talk to God. Wholeheartedly committed to God. If you were wholeheartedly committed to your basketball team, you would talk to your coach. You would listen to what your coach has to say. You would learn the, the plays in the playbook. If you were wholeheartedly committed, if you were like, you know what, I really don't care about this team. I don't care what the winning record is. I don't care if I get any better at it at all. Well, then you would ignore your coach and your captain and you do your own thing. And God says, be wholeheartedly committed. Read the Bible. Pray. Wholehearted commitment also means going to church. Being with God's people in God's presence, worshiping and praying and praising. And when we're not in church, we begin to get weak and we begin to drift. It's like a boat that was brought up to the dock, but it wasn't roped off. It's going to drift. And if we're not reading the Bible and praying, we're going to drift. And so we need to wholeheartedly pursue the Lord. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Flee from the youthful lusts and pursue righteousness and faith and love and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. And then lastly, so sin is the problem. And our response is to leave our sin, wholeheartedly pursue the Lord, and then number three there is that live out God's holy love. Live out God's holy love. How are we going to do that? Well, 1 John 2, 6 says that we have to walk in the way that Jesus walked. You and I have to walk in the way that Jesus walked. You say, well, that's not possible. He was Jesus, <laughs> and I'm me. And Jesus says, I will give you my Holy Spirit. I will put my spirit inside of you so that he will help you to live just like I lived. Jesus even said, you will do greater things than I did because I'll go to the Father and I'll send my spirit to be with you, to be in you. So let me give you some things. I encourage you, if you're taking notes, write some of these down. If you want to live out God's holy love proactively, positively, doing gracious and good things, uh, be quick to listen. Be quick to listen to people, slow to speak. You know, like your mom always said, got one mouth and two ears for a reason. God did that on purpose, right? So be quick to listen and slow to speak. Be nice to people. Be generous. Be patient. Uh, I was on the phone with customer service. I know we, we kind of think that they're of the devil. But they're people with souls. And, and they have hard days when customers chew them out. I was on the phone with them. This was about a week and a half ago. And the answer that they gave me was not pleasing. And they basically, in a very nice way, said they couldn't help me. And I've been working on and praying about, I want to respond as Christ would respond. And I said to him, I said, I don't like the policy of your business. I said, I don't like 
the rules that your business has in place. But I don't want you to go away thinking that you've done a poor job. I said, I think you've done a great job today. You've been nice. You've been polite. You went and talked to your manager for me. You've looked into it. I said, I think your policy as a company is bad, but you've been a good help to me. Now, the temptation is to just throw them under the bus, railroad them, be rude to them. Hey, they didn't give me the answer I wanted. But Jesus said, why are we only showing love to those who love us? Isn't that the same thing that sinners do? Shouldn't we love those even that hate us or, or that are strangers to us or enemies from us? So be quick to listen and slow to speak. Be nice to people. Be generous. Be patient. Be long-suffering. Be forgiving and gracious and merciful. Consider other people's needs. Here's a really big one. If we're going to follow in Jesus' footstep, give other people the benefit of the doubt. You know how much trouble people get in when they say, you know what, I know what they were up to. They, they hate me, and that's why they did that. And they, they hate everybody around them, and they're just mean, mean, mean people, and that's why they do that. And you're not giving them the benefit of the doubt. You're, you're not saying, well, maybe they weren't intending to be mean. Maybe they didn't sleep well last night. Maybe, maybe they didn't respond very nice. But let's not just all of a sudden say they had a bad day, they must be Hitler. They had a bad day. They must be of the devil. No, we need to give the benefit of the doubt and say, you know what? They're, they're human. They're struggling. Let me pray for them. Maybe they didn't respond perfectly, but let's not assume that because they didn't respond perfectly that they hate the whole world. And so there are things that we need to do to live out God's holy love. Be an encourager. Be thankful and content. Be a wise steward of what God gives to you. Be a worshiper and a witness. Let me give you a couple things. Psalm 34 says, Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. If you desire life, and you love long days, you want to live long days on this earth, then you must keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do it. Seek peace and pursue it. So I'm telling you, the trouble in your life, the trouble that comes from the world around you, God gives you His Spirit to help you with that. The trouble that comes from the people around you, God gives you His Spirit and His fruit to help with that. The trouble that comes from your own sin, you have to make a decision to leave that sin behind or it will destroy you. But God says, I've got a way to deal with your sin. I'll forgive it. I'll cleanse it. I'll remove it from you. I'll give you a new heart. Remember, that's what it said in Revelations. Behold, I am making all things new. So think about this. A person who admits their sin, if you admit it to God, and you admit your need for His salvation, He will forgive you. He will give you the power to wholeheartedly seek Him. He will give you the power to live out His holy love because He will empower you by His Holy Spirit. Dear God, we come to you this morning and we thank you for your holy word. Every one of us in this room, Lord, is aware of things you have told us are sin. Things that we have done that have hurt others, that have put a wall between us and you, that have brought consequences of shame and guilt and suffering upon our own head and even on others around us. God, I pray, would you forgive us of that sin? Would you cleanse us of that unrighteousness, God? Would you put a new heart 
in us, a new spirit in us. Help us to treat people differently. Help us to put you first, God. Lord, we want to respond to you. Church, this morning, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, it's not enough for you to hear a message of truth, and it's not enough for you to hear me pray to God. You have to make a decision to respond to God that you're going to get rid of sin by asking Him to forgive you. You're going to get rid of sin by, by wait, with His help, ceasing from those sinful things. That you're going to wholeheartedly pursue Him. So I'm going to encourage you, we started this service, the sermon with Hosea 14.2, bring words with you and return to God and say, forgive me. So each one of you, right where you're at, would you talk to God? Would you ask for forgiveness? Would you ask Him to help you to wholeheartedly serve Him and live out holy love? I'm going to give you a few minutes to just talk to God, just like He's right here, because He is.